Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of When the Heart Leads. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Newberg, and I am overjoyed to be with you today. The title of this episode is Redemption. And you may have noticed, I'm, I'm going to name something that we do in this podcast, which is I take often um, times words or concepts or ideas that have been, um, that maybe have a, a, a powerful pull or a, a field of understanding in our culture and in our lives. And I re-examine them through the eyes of what I call the new Eden or this new plane of consciousness that humans are evolving into right now. And I look at these concepts, these ideas through the eyes of unconditional love, through the eyes of grace, and see what they have to teach us um, in that new context, in that new framing. And so we are going to be looking at a very loaded idea today, uh, uh, this idea of redemption. And we're going to be examining it through these eyes of unconditional love, of grace, and seeing what it has to show us about our path and what we are um, being prepared to receive right now. So I feel like I'm practicing it a little bit in the moment. Um, we've had quite a, a, a week. Um, as you may know, I've mentioned I work at a high school and my these transmissions are not separate from that life. That life um, that I live kind of day to day is a, a powerful vehicle for me to receive um, in those in that love and in those interactions. Um, it's a powerful vehicle for me to receive these transmissions. And um, I clean up pretty nice, uh, but perhaps it's important to know that I am feeling very tired right now. We had quite a week. Um, we were preparing for a uh, the students' homecoming, which is a really beautiful thing, um, a beautiful celebration. And of course, all of the connotations of homecoming, right, that we can talk about. Uh, and I believe as well, if you're tuning in now, or across time and space, what feels really true is that we also experienced a very powerful physical recalibration. And you could call it an upgrade. Um, you could call it a recalibration. You could call it a preparation, a physical preparation for the light streams that we're going to be receiving and that we are receiving. And so many, many people I know have come down with different kinds of illnesses or just felt really tired. And so if you're tuning in right now and that's you, just know that that's actually, um, I, I'm perceiving it, what I'm receiving is that that's a powerful physical upgrade that you're going through. And so a big, big message is to let yourself rest, um, to let that calibrate in your body so that you can begin to receive these um, kind of new light codes that are streaming in. And very possibly this podcast episode will activate some of that for you as well. So just be kind to yourself. <laughs> um, so redemption, redemption. I promise this is all related. Um, all of this that I'm talking about. And sometimes, like I said, it, it comes in as a constellation. So we're going to play in this space of redemption today and see what it has to offer us. Uh, it's actually a really, really beautiful transmission. Um of deep receiving 
And I think in a lot of ways, that's what our bodies are being prepared for is this very deep receiving of something that's been wanting to come to us for a long, long time. And um, so, so redemption. So those of us who are coming down have come down from the mountains going all the way back to the premise of this podcast, the, the returning back into the world. Um, those of us coming down now in this time, this potent time of ascension and integration and new birth, we have spent many lifetimes and many lifetimes possibly even in this lifetime in service to the light. And this is because of a very deep um, resolute vow, soul vow that we took upon accepting life. And that's not just accepting form, but accepting life um, as a soul, as an infinite being, as an eternal being. And um, our souls were, what, what, I'm, what I'm starting to understand is that our souls were a free will gesture, right? Our souls coming into being was a free will gesture. And um, when we came into being, we were imprinted with the original feeling of that perfect divine love. That was, that's our original imprint. That's what we are. That's, that was the light emanating from, you could call the the womb of, of God or the womb of the universe. We emanated as a perfect imprint of divine love. And that was, that's our original frequency. And in this way, and this is a kind of a side note, but I think really important to mention in these, as we talk about redemption and as we learn a new framing or perhaps receive a new framing for this idea of redemption, I, I want to mention that gratitude itself, gratitude for life was a, was a natural emanation and it emanated as freedom and as this kind of inherent joy of being just as a, as a, as a consciousness coming into being. It, it was imprinted with this love and this love is is, has all these shades to it, and one of these shades is gratitude, and one of these shades is joy, right? And this is uh, this next thing I'm about to say is important because it, it's it's setting the tone in some ways for for what it means to be redeemed in this lifetime. And so, as I mentioned, gratitude you may have only positive, beautiful connotations with that word. Or you may feel in some ways that the word gratitude itself um, brings up something in you, a lack almost, because um, in many ways, especially this, this idea of gratitude itself has become, uh, I'm going to say weaponized, and I don't think weaponized is too strong of a word, uh, because it's been co-opted in, in some ways as a shaming mechanism. Um, sometimes as a, as a vehicle for, for, for woundedness, there can be a lot of woundedness around the idea of gratitude. If we're, especially if we're young or, um, we're, we're enacting types of energies that are not of, you know, our first highest light, that we're enacting energies of this woundedness, we can receive 
shaming around gratitude. Like we should be grateful. We're shamed into being grateful for what we have. Like we should be grateful. We should stop being whatever, ungrateful, dissatisfied, discontent, discontented. Um, And, or we feel like if we're on this ascension path, we feel like these lessons that are coming in that are really challenging and then someone just says, well, you, you know, you to, or we feel like we should be grateful for these lessons coming in, these challenges. And we're like, I really don't feel that grateful for this right now. And, um, and what I want to mention around this idea of gratitude and as it emerged, as it was one of the original imprints of our light as we emerged into the, the universe, as we emerged into being as consciousness, as a frequency... Um, that when we are, when we become aligned with that more and more, and we're going to talk about that in this episode, gratitude is a very natural phenomenon. It just arises. It's the same thing with joy. It's the same thing with peace, right? The more we become aligned, the more we become in tune with, in, in tune with this original frequency of our soul, the more this is just a natural emanation from within. And so I I hope, what I'm hoping is that I'm taking some pressure off around this idea of gratitude right now, or, and as we're going to go into this idea of redemption, this idea of joy, this idea of living within your um, eternal frequency, right? Um, Clearing this woundedness. What, What I'm hoping is this takes some pressure off because once you begin to align to that, to attune to that, gratitude itself is just a natural emanation. It's not something you have to force or contrive. Same thing with joy. Same thing with peace. Okay, so in some ways, I'm kind of approaching this idea of um, redemption from this from this lens. And I want to mention as well, this is coming in, I'll say quickly, I don't, normally I have all these pages of notes and, and with the way this past week has gone, I have just a few notes. And so I'm really letting this flow in and through and around. And I want to mention, this feels like the time, that I actually, in a, um, in a shamanic experience, had that moment of merging with my own first light with the original emanation of my soul as it emerged from the womb of God or you could say the womb of the universe or the womb of the goddess like that that space of no thing the void and it and so that it feels important to say that the things I bring forward in these podcast episodes um they are not theoretical the things I'm bringing forward are not theoretical, but are born from direct experience, direct experience that I have had in, in this lifetime. And sometimes, like I said, that experience happens through a vision or a body feeling. It's an embodied understanding of these concepts, this knowledge, this knowing. It's an emanation. And so I, I, feel very, I feel very compelled to say that right now. As I'm talking about the first light of our soul, as I'm talking about the birth of consciousness, of our own personal soul's consciousness, I'm not talking about that as a theoretical thing, but as something I, I have experienced um, in my body, in my knowing, right? And, and, and as I talk about the new Eden, as I bring that into under understanding, in a lot of ways, this is podcast is a, is a constellation of embodied understandings of the New Eden. As I talk about the New Eden, um, it's important to know I, we're we're bypassing at this point 
the, the constraints of the linear rational thinking mind. And we're not allowing that to be our guiding force anymore. And instead, we're allowing this deeper knowing, this heart knowing, this intuition, this embodied knowing be the, be the light that guides us in this lifetime. And this is a big, big shift. When I talk about the New Eden, I'm really talking about this shift from head to heart, rational, linear, heart embodiment, right? We're making that shift. And so important feels to mention that these things I speak of, I have received firsthand in my body, in my knowing. So um, that said, I wasn't expecting to say that, but it feels important for when, when, we're, when we express authority on these things. And when you, begin as, when you begin to express authority in your own wisdom, right, it's going to be that powerful embodied experience of healing that you yourself have gone through. And that's going to be the platform from which you speak. So the universe doesn't let us teach unearned wisdom. It's something I've learned over and over again. Um, so, um, so, so we talked about gratitude. So let's go back. We talked about gratitude and I talked about how that, that's one of the original imprints as we burst into the, into the universe as a form of consciousness, as an eternal light. Um, gratitude is one of the natural imprints that we, we come into the world with. And so in many ways, so we talk about how that has been by, you know, in many ways through the wounding co-opted gratitude itself has been uh, co-opted as a shaming mechanism but there's something in it that is pure and untouchable and the same thing is true for this idea of redemption so redemption can be shown in this way when we look at redemption through the eyes of separation through the eyes of the wound through the eyes of and i'll go back to it original sin right we're going to talk about that today again um but when we look that that at first moment of separation where we felt the woundedness where we felt like we were no longer within the wider circle um of divine light we were separate from it when we look at redemption through that we can see the ways that that concept itself has been co-opted through the lens of this of trauma of woundedness and there is, when we bring redemption into the lens, when we, when we experience it through the lens of our first light, of our divine light, it offers an incredible sense of joy and freedom. And so in order to feel that, I'm going to create a little bit of a contrast between what we think redemption is, what, what, it's be, what it's come to be known as in our culture, and what it looks and feels like through that lens of our first light, our divine light, the eyes of grace. Okay, so the way that I conceive of it and have conceived of it, it is almost impossible to talk about redemption as it's conceived of through the wounding without also talking about this idea of debt, D-E-B-T, debt, being in debt. And we're going to move from redemption as getting out of debt, essentially, this strange spiritual debt that was conferred on us when we first um, started to believe in original sin. And, and we're going to move from that, from redemption as a, a paying off of a debt into redemption as just pure unconditional, ever-flowing light and abundance. And um, 
just as a little teaser for that, uh, one way I kind of talk about it is like we talk about like redeeming a coupon <laughs> or redeeming like a lottery ticket or something. That's kind of the, the energy I'm going for here is that we're going to discover throughout this podcast episode that there is this vast wealth vast unending wealth of light and abundance within us that we are going to begin to redeem, right, for our own benefit, for our own kind of filling up, filling up, right, this abundant harvest. So that's kind of what, that's what I'm moving into here. Uh, this is a little teaser um, to bring it down to something that could be really concrete that we can, we can hold on to as we move through some of these more abstract feeling realms. So, um, so yeah, so redemption is now in our in our psyche in some ways unconsciously associated with debt. And um, so in this episode, we'll reframe it through the eyes of grace so that it offers access to this inherent freedom and abundance that we already are. Right, so... So let's talk about, so we did, we haven't earned this, by the way. Um, this light is something that was, it, it, it's what we were born with as a soul. And then as a, as born into form, we were also born with this inherent light, this inherent abundance. Um, and as we move closer to the light of our soul's vow. So I talked in the beginning about the vow of our soul. And we're going to talk more about what that means, right? When our soul was born, what the vow we took on, what it was, what it is. And so the more we move into the light of our, of our deep and abiding vow of our soul to uphold and live in this first light, to emanate this first light, no matter what, um, we unlock the inherent abundance the, that the universe has for us. Right, so this it's not like it's earned, even though it kind of feels that way, and we'll talk about why it feels that way. Um, it's more about re a returning, a reclamation, a, a clearing, a healing, so that we begin to live in frequency with our, with our first light as opposed to our wound. And the more we move, the more we heal our wound and allow ourselves to become irradiated with that um, divine love that we were born as, Right, the more we unlock this feeling of unconditional, ever-flowing abundance within us. And um, I'm going to take a moment, like I have been doing, to read an excerpt from my book. And I hope that this is illuminating for you. I do this in the podcast episodes because I, when I, again, when I write, it, it, it's, the, it's the kind of the crystallization of a long, 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 process of sitting with, being with, learning from these things. And when I write it out, it becomes crystallized into words, into form. And so um, I'm going to read an excerpt. This is from a, 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 this is from a section in my first book. My first book is called The New Eden Paradise Retold. Um, and this section is called Original Sin, Debt, and Redemption. Um, and I have a couple excerpts to read here just to um, just to bring some of this into a, a different way of, of conscious awareness. So if you are following along, if you have the book and you're following along, we're starting on page 89. Um, and I'm going to mention here, like I mentioned before, this idea of original sin, which was kind of our first debt, our first understanding of debt, right? Somehow we have been cast from Eden We've been separated from God, 
from the divine, from source, however you conceive of it. And we need to somehow spend our lives in toil, right? Adam toiling, the sweat of his brow, Eve redeeming herself through the pain of, of childbirth, the pain of labor, right? That somehow this redemption can only come about through suffering, right? And that's what we began to believe. So this in some ways is the, we're going back to that original sin. And if one of the episodes I talk about original sin, uh, as it is as humans, as we are fractals of the whole, so we each have experienced our own moment of that uh, as, as children. And uh, I won't go into all that now, but if that's, but that's in one of the episodes. So knowing that we're fractals, talking about original sin, knowing this isn't, again, an abstract thing, but something that every human on earth, unless you were born enlightened, which a few people have been, <laughs> most of us kind of go through it, right? Um, I should say born consciously enlightened because we're all born enlightened. We just don't know it. <laughs> Um, but talking about original sin here as something we've conch, we've, we've experienced personally in this lifetime, right? So I'm not talking about it in an abstract way, but I am also talking about it as a transpersonal way in a, in a larger collective way. So, um, so original sin, the moment of separation that when we thought that we needed to suffer in order to come closer to God, right? That's something I start with here. So I just wanted to lift that up. So page 89, I wrote, in response to a belief in our original sin, humans have plunged themselves into a vague and bewildering purgatory where the sweet relief of redemption lies in the hands of a capricious, faceless, punishing, and remote God figure. No matter how hard we try to climb, no matter how hard we try to atone for the past, there is always more to be done. We climb an endless mountain of shame and guilt, never reaching the top and never being allowed to rest. Redemption then becomes a moving and arbitrary target where we exhaust ourselves ad infinitum through labor and suffering, wondering how much pain we will be forced to endure before we finally are allowed to come back home. Ultimately, this scenario describes what it means to be in debt. We believe we, have a, we believe we have fallen from grace through our own willfulness, and we must earn, through an undisclosed amount of misery and pain, our way back into the conceptual and remote realm of heaven. Furthermore, it is only the relentless force of shame that can offer us redemption, as shame itself offers the only known provocation for us to pay off our spiritual debt, causing us to do something, i.e. suffer greatly, in order to prove ourselves worthy of existing. So, we cling to shame as our only salvation from the very predicament in which shame has placed us. From there, I'm going to skip ahead, right? So, so there a moment of just speaking again, what we talked about, this idea that 
there is this, do you feel, can you feel in that? I just want to say, can you feel in that, like the anxiety of existence, right? That there's this thing, this undisclosed, vague, undisclosed thing that we have to do some arbitrary amount of suffering that we need to experience before God's going to open the doors and let us back into the Garden of Eden, right? And, and many of us labor within this understanding. I know for many, many, many years, that's how I believe, that's what I believed. That was, if we go back to last episode, when I talked about the little ant climbing the mountain, right? That's, that was, that was this idea of debt, this idea of um, needing to suffer to prove myself worthy in order to exist, in order to receive this thing that I already am, right? And that's what we're going to talk about next. So, um, so I do, and I'm just going to summarize some of this, uh, this idea of debt. I'm going to go into here. So put very simply, put very simply, debt consciousness is the belief that there is something we must still do to make ourselves worthy, whole, and complete. Under these auspices, humans live constantly on trial, trying exhaustively to prove ourselves worthy. We try to prove ourselves in different ways, through what we produce, through suffering and sacrifice, through worry and micromanaging, through how busy we, we can become, through making ourselves into victims. Overall, in the larger system of debt and proving, some humans are deemed worthy of food, shelter, love, health, safety, warmth, joy, while others are not. Those that have proven themselves worthy are acclaimed. Those that have shown themselves to be unworthy are generally judged, cast off, and blamed. The illusion that we are somehow separate from divine life force, or that there is something we must do to get it, gives rise to the fear that energy, resources, life, and love itself is somehow limited. This caused us to strike out as best we could, creating hierarchies and imposing artificial systems of order, which has in turn resulted in the ravening, hungry, hungry hippo mentality toward our, toward our commons of our earth. If the source of love is not within us, it must be outside of us. If it is outside of us, then we can... Ergo, then it can be taken. Ergo, we must protect it fiercely. And so we live like clay pots with holes in the bottom, never filled, never nourished, never satiated, taking from the earth and from each other in an ongoing, desperate attempt to replenish the bottomless, empty void that was left when God abandoned us. <laughs> Whew. Do you, but can you feel it though? Can you feel it? I know this sounds really dramatic, but if you tune in, if you tune into this idea of original sin, this is what it is. This is what it is. It's this bottomless empty void that was left when we felt that God had abandoned us. Right? So I know this sounds very dramatic, but it is also unconsciously, in meant for many of us, the energy that we labor within, the belief we have, the constant expending of energy to prove ourselves worthy. This is, this is, I'm touching on it here. Um, so I write, 
And I talk about as well, just a quick summary, I talk about this idea of debt as being parasitic. And that might be a whole other podcast episode, but the idea that a parasite will take and take and take um, and never ever give back to the host. And it keeps the host alive, right? But it takes only for its own benefit. And there's nothing that it does um, that actually benefits the host. And this is the energy of debt. This Parasites are the energy of debt and original sin. And so I talk about that a little bit here. And again, having direct experience with that, with parasitic energy, right? Um, and with parasites themselves, this is something, they, they had a deep lesson for me, the parasites I dealt with. Um, so I talk about that. So if that comes up, that's where that, that's, that's what I'm mentioning here. Because I'm skipping around a little bit in the book, so. So I write, so we have touched on the essence of redemption. The answer to our redemption lies in our willingness to remove our energy from that which does not hold its own life force. Okay, so that might be coming out of left field a little bit, so I'm going to explain that in a moment. <clears throat> I'm going to read that one more time. The answer to our redemption, the answer to the process of realizing our full light, lies in our willingness to remove our energy from that which does not hold its own life force. We do this in our lives by kindly but firmly, firmly saying no to that which does not serve us. Internally, this process culminates in an unwillingness to harbor any thought, feeling, or emotion that does not uphold the inherent worthiness and divinity of all beings. So when we talk about debt consciousness, the parasitic consciousness, it lives physically as parasites. It could also live as um, an emotion, like shame. Shame is a parasitic emotion of debt, energy of debt. Um, for mentally, it could live as self-doubt, right? So there's this multidimensional kind of expression of this, of this feeling of debt, of this parasitic understanding of debt that comes to us um, when we feel separate from God. So I, I write Descartes, <laughs> I'm talking about Descartes, guys, we are just, we're just going to let it all, just let it all flow in and out. Just let it all flow in and out. Um, cause this is all, again, this is all coming back to what it means to come back to our first light. Right. So I said Descartes influential statement, uh, cogito ergo sum. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. All my years of singing in Latin. Cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am, offers a subtle and, I must say this, um, I may add masculine, right? Masculine, rational, linear. I think, therefore I am, offers a subtle reflection of our pervasive belief in separation. With this statement, Descartes has assumed that we realize existence through the mind. We see ourselves as the effect of the mind. As such, we elevate thought as a necessary precursor to being. We have, in effect, thunk ourselves into existence. Creation through the mind of the small eye always results in a sliver of separation between who we are in truth and who we think we are. Right. So our, our thought conception of ourselves versus who we are in truth. Right. I think, therefore, I am elevates thought as the precursor to existence, right? We're going to turn that around right now. In this way, who we think we are is an illusion that nevertheless becomes our reality. So that's a paradox, right? But we can just bust through all that by with this one. So in contrast, the mantra of the new earth, 
The mantra of the new Eden will be the simple and profound tautology, I am, therefore I am. Our very bodies as a perfect expression of our souls is proof of our divinity. This is true without exception for every being, animal, plant, mineral, human on the planet. All are perfect manifestations of grace. We start then with the premise, not that we are inherently tainted, but that all beings on this planet are, by virtue of their very existence, a holy manifestation of divine will. Therefore, while there are diverse differences in expression, there is no gradation of worthiness. Divine law is unconditional love, absent of judgment, criticism, blame, manipulation, and hierarchy. It is pure and purely free. These are the laws that amplify rather than drain life force. These are the laws on which we will build our new world. It is through embracing these laws that the new Eden, these laws of inherent worthiness, now just really quick what I mean there, these laws of inherent worthiness, these laws of I am, therefore I am, the divine light manifested into form, it is through embracing these laws that the new Eden will manifest as earth herself. Once we allow ourselves to be lifted into divine law, every place and every being on earth will become paradise. We cannot make a wrong decision because we ourselves will be aligned with divine will. Therefore, our every action cannot help but perpetuate divinity. Everywhere we go and with everything we do, we will encounter only that which is life-giving, nourishing and supportive. All will be reclaimed into love. As this Eden dawns, we enter into the divine and effortless ecstasy of being. I'm going to pause there. That was a lot. All right, we covered a lot there. Throwing a lot at you. There'll be a little bit more from the book, but let's put it aside for right now and, and just kind of unpack some of that. So, um, let's take all of that down to what it might feel like to live as though we are in debt, okay? Original sin, this wounding, that made us believe that we were somehow separate from divine light. This casting out of Eden. What we began to believe was that there was something, some undisclosed, vague and arbitrary amount of suffering or producing or micromanaging or just feeling of anxiety that we needed to go through in order to be allowed back into Eden. And that's that's one of the reasons this week of homecoming has, like the idea of homecoming has been so beautiful <laughs> because um, it feels in some ways like the doors of Eden are being thrown wide open, are, have always been wide open to us. But we didn't know how to access them because we were trying to get there through the lens of our woundedness and so if we feel this how this manifests 
in our lives, it manifests as this feeling of debt, of never, of never having enough, never giving enough, never being enough, never producing enough, never suffering enough, right? How much will I have to do this? How long will I have to do this for until I can come back home? Right? And so we're always catching up with this debt consciousness, with this parasitic consciousness. We're always catching up. We're always, we have this feeling of always being behind, of never being enough. And, and if you think about it, like this is, the, this is the least motivating energy on the planet. Like we might be able to, to um, do it for a while, right? But at some point, we are completely drained. Our life force becomes completely drained. And it, it sucks. And I did, I think I mentioned this, but I've, I did my, uh, my dissertation research on workplace burnout. And in some ways, I'm revisiting that theme over and over and over again of what, what situations, what types of mindsets, what contexts drain our life force, right? So we feel completely dried out, burned out. Right. And, um, and with, with the idea of being born into original sin, right. Then we, we, we feel like we've already started out behind, like the race is the race has already started and we're, we're just getting, you know, we're just getting to the starting line and people are way ahead of us. And there's no, um, th there's so much more we have to will, we have to use, dig deep into our willpower in order to just stay afloat. Right. This is not, this is not of the divine. The divine does not operate that way. The divine doesn't want us to suffer. It doesn't need us to suffer. And what we're going to talk, what we're going to move into in talking about redemption is this idea that we are already redeemed, that there's nothing we need to do or say or suffer or create or micromanage in order to be redeemed because in the eyes of God, we're already there. We're already in Eden. The doors are thrown open for us. And this idea of debt. So, um, to talk a little bit about it, it it's the, the idea of debt. It's not, it doesn't actually exist. So this is, mm, all right. So this is where we can just clear it all. If you, if we can really bring this understanding into our bodies, we can clear all debt right now. Right, no matter what your bank account says, no matter what your energy levels say, um, no matter you know whatever, we're going to clear the idea of debt right now. And of course, this is tied in with forgiveness, which I think forgiveness itself is a whole other podcast episode. So we're not going to go into that too much right now. But I want to talk about just the idea of just clearing it, right? Clearing it. Um, debt is a negative. It's it's like a net negative, right? But if we look at the natural material world, we can see that debt doesn't actually exist anywhere in the world. We made it up. The closest we can come to this idea of debt is the, um, is the manifestation of parasites and viruses because they act like debt, right? But they're actually a physical thing. They actually exist, right? If we're really boiling things down, and I, I'm going to enter into a little bit of abstract abstract train right now we're really boiling things down into what actually exists we can see that the world the universe is binary and in its simplest form it's made up of one or zero form or nothingness 
form, or void. There isn't actually any negative that exists. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe the astrophysicist out there, my sister's an astrophysicist, she listens to this and tells me I'm totally wrong. And I'm open to that, right? Because it's all can get woven in. But from my understanding, the universe is made of, a, it's a binary form, it's zero and one. There is void and there is there is form. There is void and there is form. There is zero and there is one, respectively. And so when we talk about this idea of debt, if we look for it somewhere in the material world, we're not going to find it. And so what we discover then is that it doesn't actually exist. It's not actually supported by what is manifested, which means we made it up. We made it up entirely. Humans made it up. It's a, re it's a thought form. It's not a manifested thing. It's something we made up. The debt that is attached to you, maybe you have monetary debt, that's not real. We've all agreed that it's real, right? So the idea, going back to Descartes, I think therefore I am, right? Thought being the precursor to existence is how we operate right now. We think it's true, therefore it must be true. We think debt is true. I agree it's true. You agree it's true. We all agree it's true. Therefore, it exists. But there's nothing in the material world to actually support this. So we made it up. It's something that it only exists as long as we decide that it exists. It only exists as long as we all agree that it exists. Right? And this is true for lots and lots of systems. And what we see is these systems that are in place, that are not supported by divine law, that are not, and divine law as it manifests into form, Right? Not supported by form, not a natural system, an organic system, something we made up. Right? Those systems require us to pour our own life force into them in order for them to keep living. They are parasitic. When we remove our belief from these systems, that they're true, that they're real, what happens... When you remove your life force from a parasite, it cannot survive. It does not have its own taproot to source. It does not, it's not able to exist without your life force, pouring your life force into it. Our systems that create this, that perpetuate this idea of debt, that perpetuate this idea of original sin can only survive if we believe in them. And as we believe in them, we pour our life force into them. And we are drained, just like viruses, just like parasites. If we can begin to remove our beliefs, our energy from these systems, if we, begin, if we can begin to stand up and say, you are not real and do not exist, you only exist insofar as I believe in you and I don't believe in you, therefore you're gone. If the more of us that can begin to do this, the more these systems are going to dissolve and we will come back into alignment with divine light, with divine law, with organic systems that are based on the premise of inherent worthiness of our first light. This is a big deal, what I'm saying here, because it, it allows us to have power over 
these thought forms that have persisted for so long, telling us things that we're unworthy, that we're in debt, that, we, that our very existence is debt. It's simply not true. It's not a divine truth. And we, when we begin to coming back to our soul's vow, the vow of our soul, as we were born into joy, into gratitude, into peace, that is the truth. That is the truth. And our soul's vow is a simple declaration of that truth. And the more we can live in that way, the more we begin to live in that way, right? The more we come into alignment, into attunement with that first light, that divine light. This is, again, what I've said before again and again, is this isn't the ultimate overrider of these systems of debt, of unworthiness, of brutality, of exploitation, of denial of your inherent divine worthiness, right? When you come into alignment with your soul's vow, the vow of living as perfect worthiness, perfect divine light, you unlock all of the inherent power of that. You begin to receive all of the material, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental benefits of that vow. This is redemption. Okay, this is the way that we are designed to live. We are not designed to live toiling in labor by the sweat of our brow. We've done that. We've gone through it, but that's not how we're designed to live, right? Those systems that are in place that we've created from our mental conceptions are not in attunement or organic attunement with divine law. And as we begin to move to draw our own life force away from those systems, right? And like the dragonfly, we play within them, right? This is, this is the dance of coming down from the mountain right? Because we can play within them and also know they're not true. We can play within them. We're tested by them, right? We come all the way down to the wire. Will I have enough? Will I have enough? Will I have enough? Yes, because I'm living in inherent abundance, inherent worthiness. I'm coming into the radius of my soul's light. That ultimate overrider of debt. That's redemption we can start to see that that is redemption. So the soul's vow This is this is not a small episode. <laughs> this is a big this is a big declaration here. Right? So the soul's vow means seeing through underneath all of the mental this is the Maya that they talk about, the Maya that feels so real, these thought forms that feel so real that we're enmeshed in them from 
from the time we are born, people start telling us that these things are true, right? And the soul's vow is to, in all these places, bring the knowledge of our first light, our divine light into these systems and see how it completely begins to undermine all of the values that these systems are, are based on, these values of some people are worthy and some people are not. We're separate from God. We need to suffer greatly in order to come back to God, right? All these things, all these unconscious belief systems that run, 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 programming that runs, runs, runs. Our soul's vow is to, is to come back into our first light of divine truth and look at those systems and undermine them just by our very existence. And oftentimes, this means we come into these systems, we come down from the mountain, we hold in our hearts the knowledge of our inherent worthiness, our divine light. And this means oftentimes being a way shower in humanity. All right, so I did not, guys, I got to, I did not expect the, this episode to take on this form, but here we go, we're going into it. So this means being a way shower in humanity. This means we are going on ahead, right? And we are being deeply and thoroughly initiated by the world into this incoming consciousness. And there's a story coming through of, so what many of us are maybe have been feeling and why this summoning of this is so important of us coming down from the mountain that we can begin to come together in our light, right? Because for so long as a way shower, part of our initiation has been to hold this light through systems, contexts, circumstances, darkness, it doesn't support it. And we had to keep coming back again and again and again to our own internal voice. And there's two kind of images that come to mind. One is, um, one is the, the image I once got of, of, of a crone. You know, there's the crone archetype. We talk, we talk a lot about archetypes in this, this podcast, but she holds a lamp and I see her walking in these deep, like these deep, dark dungeons, these bowels with only the light of her lamp. And she's alone finding the way with her lamp. And eventually she understands that she is the lamp, right? That that light that feels externalized eventually merges so that she knows that wherever she walks, she is the light, no matter what circumstance we go into, no matter what context we go into, no matter who we meet, we have internalized the light, our, in, our internal lamp, it is us, and we are the light, right? And this is that level of mastery. But to get there, this is, the, we've been deeply, highly initiated, right? Through the world itself. We have been baptized by pain, by suffering. We have gone into those places. We've been opened by life. In the last episode, I talked about how we've been broken open and that's been part of our initiation, right? And so all this has happened to us to break through the maya, the illusion, the thought forms that feel so real, but are only real as long as people agree with them. And we're, we've stopped agreeing with them now. We're not agreeing with them anymore. We're in the process of not agreeing. We've brought our light into those places. We've been buffeted by them, but we've never been overtaken, right? We've always come back into our soul's vow of living this divine inherent worthiness, this divine light, no matter what, um, which just is, which just is. Our light just is. It's not something we have to find, 
We come back to it again and again. And there's a, a, a one other story coming forward that many, 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 many of us have felt. We felt this. Um, and it's a story, it's an, it was a deep initiation of Mary Magdalene. And I do have permission to tell this story um, because it's really important right now. And she's, and it's a, it was an initiation where she was blindfolded. She was young, really little. She was blindfolded and the blindfold did not come off for a long time. So every step she took, she had to feel her way through the darkness. This step in darkness, this step in darkness. With all the questions arising, am I alone? Are there people around me? Am I safe? Is this step safe? How do I trust? How can I learn to trust this step, this step? How can I learn to trust my other senses, right? How can I learn to trust my internal sense? And also the people, if there are people around me, how can I trust them? Right, so she's feeling her way through this darkness. And many of us wayshores have felt that deeply. Is there anyone else out there who understands? Am I the only one thinking these things? How can I possibly explain this experience to anyone? Right? And we've come through all of that. We've become the lamp. And now it is time to allow the grace of our lives to unfold. We have come through it. We have found the light of our soul again and again and again and again and again. And we are now shifting from learning through suffering to learning through the inherent joy and worthiness that is our being. And I'm going to read the conclusion of this book of the New Eden Paradise Retold because it so perfectly captures the energy of redemption. cashing it in all all of the times that we have lived our soul's life that we have gone through initiations that we've gone through suffering that we've moved through suffering right and what we finally learn is that that is not the point of existence that is an aspect of, ex of existence that we have come through but it is not where we rest it is not where we land it is not where we are going to be stuck all right, so I'm going to read the conclusion here because this is ultimately the energy of redemption. Okay, so I'm going to read here the conclusion from the New Eden Paradise Retold, which will allow us to really feel what it means to be redeemed, fully redeemed. <laughs> in this time, in this lifetime. You have been seeking, I know. It has been a long, hard road of seeking. It has been a time of blind stumbling, of weariness, 
of dead-end paths and fitful restlessness. You have suffered and touched the depth of your suffering not once, but again and again. You have plumbed your own darkness with courage and resilience and devotion, diving into the deeps once more and once more again, just to make sure there was nothing left to bring to the surface. I know the number of times you have stared at the jagged peak of yet another mountain, your enthusiasm flagging at the thought of another climb. I know the weariness that has seeped into your bones. Another peak, another climb, another false summit, another dogged journey. You have felt the wind on your face and the earth under your feet. Sometimes you have felt her under your knees. You have sunk your hands into her damp body and wept until there was nothing left. Your muscles have grown hard and strong with climbing, your face marked with the character and strength that comes with stumbling and moving forward. You have learned the lessons that come with loss and grief. You have shouldered the mantle of your choices. You have let your heart break open and open and break again until it has become one continuous stream, the breaking and the opening merging into one, the natural heartbeat of love and loss. In this courageous and determined seeking, in your relentless plumbing of, of depths, in the resolute taking on of shadow after shadow, Fear after fear, you may have forgotten why you began it all in the first place. You may have forgotten the point of your seeking, your climbing, your suffering, your growth. You did not come here to fight eternal shadows. You did not come here to climb endless mountains. You came here to shine your bright and exuberant light into the world. You came here to rest at last in joy. It is time now to claim that joy. You have not known a life without battle, without something to conquer, to confront, to prove, to do. But I tell you that life that life you have known is over. You have found what you are seeking. You have been lifted into the place beyond proving, beyond seeking, beyond knowing. And so your final act of courage, your final sovereign choice will be to accept the life you have known is over and to open to the dawn that is even now upon you. The fighting, the seeking, the striving, the striving, the climbing and endless wearying journey is at an end. It is time to trust that you are complete. You are whole. You have found all you need to find. You have fulfilled all you need to fulfill. You have suffered all you need to suffer. 
It is time now to harvest the fruits of your suffering, your searching, your courageous growth. It is time to rest in the soft and welcoming dawn of a new life, one of abundance and well-being, one of generosity and peace and celebration and endless empowerment. It is time to dance in the light of your breaking dawn. It is time to trust that all you have ever wanted is coming to pass. You do not need to earn it. You do not need to prove yourself worthy. You do not need to strive or change or grow or fight. You do not need to seek anymore. You need only to open and receive. You need only to rest at last in the gentle embrace of your eternal garden, the unchanging, indwelling Eden of your perfect heart. Be still now and know that you are God. Can you trust it? Can you trust that it's time now for your redemption? That all of the seeking and the proving and the suffering is coming to its own natural completion in your life. that all is well and that deep emanating light of your soul is ready to shine forth as your truest self, as your deepest emanation, as your guiding light. We have sought through the darkness, we have been blindfolded. We have wondered if we are the only ones. And now it's time for us to claim all that is ready to come to us. We are the way showers. We know because we have come through the illusion and the Maya and the suffering and found again and again and again the light of our soul. We may turn now and we may see those in need of the initiations that we have mastered. This is a time of reaping, harvesting, of discovering the bounty within us, that which we had forgotten. Our mastery is so natural to us that we don't always understand how extraordinary it is. Listen when people speak of it. Listen when people compliment you. This is not the inflation of the ego, but a genuine reflection of your light. This bounty that we are is ready to be shared now. We have arrived and there are many, many, many 
many who need our light now, who are coming through the initiations that we have mastered. This is a time of celebration, of coming together, of holding those who come behind us and honoring those who have come before us. This time of redemption, of redeeming all, all of the light that is already ours and letting it flow through us into our world, into every dimension on which we exist, in which we exist, through which we exist. Let this light be. As we claim our soul's light, we will grow. We receive more and more and more of who we already are. We become comfortable with that. The mountain that we become visible, commanding, commanding vast, vast resources of light. This is us. This is now. It is time now to open and receive all that we already are. And that, that is our ultimate redemption. <laughs> My beloved friends, thank you so much for tuning in. It has been an absolute ecstatic experience to be on this journey with you today. This has been the seventh episode of When the Heart Leads Redemption. For more information, you can visit my website, www.booksofeden.com. It has more information on my books and my work. Thank you so much for tuning in. From my heart to yours, till next time.